0: Welcome to Crossroad Church's Sermon of the Week podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Bob Ellis. I'll be in Matthew chapter 28 today. We'll have most of the scriptures posted up on behind me. I was asked to do the chapel at our preschool this week. And I was supposed to tell the Easter story, the the resurrection story to the kids. And if you've ever tried to tell this story on the level of a child, I mean, it really makes you rethink and simplify the story. And In fact, you also have to decide what parts are you going to leave out because they have an attention span of about five minutes, if that. Um, It's slightly more than us adults have, or less, rather. And, uh, and so I'm thinking, what do I share with them? What do I leave out? And of course, I left out a little bit of a lot of the beating and, and all of the things that Jesus went through. And focused a little bit on, more on what happened Resurrection Day when the stone was rolled away. But I was trying to tell the story in a way that they could understand the story. And one of the things I said to them to start with, I said, I'm going to tell you the greatest story that's ever, told, ever been told. I'm going to try to tell you the story of why we are even here as a church, why we even have a preschool, and, and first they don't even know it's a preschool, they just know it's where they're dropped off every Monday through Friday, and um, I said the reason we are here is because of this story. It is the most important story, and today we will, we will look at this story and, and hopefully be inspired to share this story with the rest of the world. The scripture says in Matthew chapter 28, that early on Sunday morning as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. And then the angel spoke to the women, don't be afraid, he said, I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here, he is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying, and now go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and he is going ahead of you to Galilee, and you will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The Bible account, the their Matthew's account of the gospel or of this story, is actually told in various ways through Mark's gospel, Luke's gospel, and John's gospel. There's different uh, different perspectives from which the resurrection story is told. In fact, each of them talk and have different nuances of how they share the story, as most storytellers are. Have you ever told a story one way? And then you're with another group and you tell it a different way? Have you ever been around someone who is a great storyteller? They tell the story and you're like, you feel like you're, you're there with them. Have you ever been around a fisherman who's told the story so many times the fish keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger? Um, storytelling is how the Bible was passed down before it was ever pinned to, to parchment. In fact, Moses later on puts together Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He retells the story of Genesis, rather. And he writes that down for everyone to see so they could know. But before that time, they would sit around their campfires. They would sit around at their house at the table. And the story would be told. And in this story, it says that there were two ladies who visited the tomb. I find this very important because one could corroborate the story of the other. Just like in the early days before stories were written down, they were told. And so if you told the story wrong, there was always someone there who could say, it didn't happen that way. Have you ever told a story and you got corrected maybe by your spouse or a friend, a parent? They're like, it, it didn't happen that way, you know, but your mind, you remember it a certain way. Um, you, you remember how things were. That's why maybe you've heard the expression, a picture is worth a thousand words. So outside, we have a little Polaroid station for you to take a picture of. Hopefully, you took it on the way in. Hopefully, you can take it on the way out. It'll remind you where you were on Easter Sunday. Now, unfortunately, with technology, that's a little bit tricky and one time we had a, a soccer team, and one of the boys missed the, the photo show or the photo op that day. And so we lined everybody up and left a little space for him. And, and uh, we had him take a picture a little later, and we inserted him there. I still have that picture in one of my offices either here or in New Braunfels. And it looks like he was there the whole time. He never missed. But he missed, I remember. And his parents don't even remember missing, but I remember that he missed. Um... But the story, a picture really kind of solidifies, this is what happened. Well, in that generation, in that time, it was the story that sealed the moment. It was the story that had to be communicated and passed down. And so in Matthew's gospel, the the two ladies, they go to the tomb, and it says that there was this earthquake, and then there's this angel, and he's rolled aside the stone, and he sat on it. We were having a discussion at a Bible study one time and, and and one of the engineers said, I don't know how he came up with the calculation, or he had studied the weight of the stone, and and it was some astronomical number of thousands of pounds, and, and I'm not sure how it was, but he even talked about how there was a little wedge where the stone was propped up here, and all they had to do was move the wedge, and the stone would roll down into place. We're talking about a ginormous task to move this stone. But the scripture says that the angel moves the stone and he is shining in brilliance. Earlier in the Gospels, there's an account similar where Jesus goes up onto the mountain of transfiguration and, and he himself is glowing and dazzling white. But here, it wasn't Peter, James, and John who get to see that Jesus isn't there, it's two ladies. Two ladies who go to the tomb early in the morning. Um, One of the the things that uh, I find fascinating is is people who question. We've had this conversation uh, recently, but uh, someone asked our missionary, Lucy Dawa, who is from Peru. And um, they they said, how do you feel being a, a, a woman who is in ministry? Is it hard? Is it difficult? And she referred to this passage. This was the passage that she said. She said the first missionaries were women. I'm like wow I'd never seen that before because they were called to take the story to someone else the scripture says that the angel says to them in, in very similar fashion to the angel said to Mary when Mary was pregnant with Jesus don't be afraid this is important when you see someone that looks otherworldly divinely as this angel must have looked having been in the presence of God the angel says don't be afraid. This is, I think this makes sense in the passage, and it makes sense that it's included in this story for us to understand. An angel appears, you're not gonna be casual about it. You're gonna be afraid. And he says, he goes on to say, I know why you're here. You're looking for Jesus who was crucified. The angel says and tells them why they are there they're here to memorialize his body but his body isn't there and the angel tells them yes he was crucified he isn't here he is risen from the dead and then for good measure he includes something that I think is particularly interesting he says just as he said would happen Now, now this is important because up until that point, no one understood what Jesus had said regarding his death. You remember there was the Last Supper, which we will take at the end of the service today. And Jesus, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. His body had not yet been crucified. He said, now take the cup, the cup of the new covenant, and every time you drink of this, remember, remember my blood spilled for you. His blood had not been spilled. His body had not yet been put through the tortures of crucifixion. And yet, hours before his crucifixion, they, they celebrate that supper. That last supper. They don't understand. But that wasn't the only occasion. There were others where Jesus told them that he was going to die. And they didn't get it. Maybe they didn't want to hear it. But the angel reminds the ladies who visited the tomb this morning. He says, he was crucified. He rose again just as he said would happen. And then he, then he offers them this invitation. Now come to the place where his body was lain, where he was buried. Now this is, this is pretty significant, I believe, because he wanted them to see with their own eyes he is no longer there. Now there's another story in John chapter, John chapter 20 where these ladies go back and they tell the story to Peter and to John and they take off running And if you read John's account, John outruns Peter. Now, maybe John was a little bit uh, braggadocious. Maybe he wanted to let everybody know that he was faster than old Peter. I don't know, but it's included in his version of the story. Maybe he just wanted generation after generation to know that he got there first. But in John chapter 20, he gets to the edge of the tomb and Peter actually goes down in first. These are nuances. These are different little parts of the story as they're being told. But the scripture says, the angel invites the ladies to the tomb to see that the body's not there. This is important. And then there's more where he says, now I want you to go, and I want you to quickly tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. So the angel says to the two Marys, go back quickly and tell the disciples. And as I was thinking, well, what's the the hurry? Just walk, get there. No, this is good news. This is the gospel. This is the message that needs to get out. Have you ever experienced something and then the longer you waited... Before you ever told someone or wrote it down, you're like, did, I really, did it really happen like that? You almost convince yourself it didn't happen. The angel says, take this story and go tell everyone. Go tell the disciples. And I believe the significance of that is, what was the mental state of the disciples at that time? The last we see of the disciples is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the Jewish soldiers and Jewish leaders come and they capture and put Jesus And hand him over to the Romans. And the scripture says the disciples, they fled from the garden in fear. They abandoned Jesus. It wasn't just Peter saying and denying that he knew Jesus. It was all of the disciples running and scurrying like mice. And yet, on this day, the angel says to the ladies, quickly go tell the disciples that he is alive. Go tell And then if that weren't enough, he says this. Remember what I have told you. Remember this story. Remember the accounts and the details of what happened and go tell them. A little later on in Matthew's gospel, there's another group. And it's the group of the the guards who had fallen faint at the sight of the angel. It says in Matthew chapter 28 verse 11, And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. There were two stories told that day. One was the story of the two Marys who visited the tomb and saw the angel. And the angel says, go and tell the disciples that everything Jesus said has happened, just as he said it would, and that he is alive and he's no longer dead. And then you've got the guards in the story, who they go back and tell the same people who crucified Jesus what happened, and here's how they rationalized the story. We don't want people following him. So we need you to spread the rumor that his disciples came in the middle of the night and took his body. And, and the Bible says that this is a story that got repeated and shared throughout. And the Jewish people believed it. See, this story that's been told... For thousands of years has been told in two different lights. One is told by those who are devout believers. Who believe that Jesus was crucified for the sins of all mankind. And that he is the hero of the world. And then there's another story that's being purported. That says that the disciples wanted to continue this. And they stole him in the middle of the night. In other words... There's a story that says that the disciples who were fearful of dying decided, okay, now we're willing to die for a lie. It doesn't make sense. The story doesn't hold water, the second story. Yet both stories are included in Matthew's gospel. In fact, both stories are continued to be told today. The Bible says that the ladies went back and they told the disciples, and they didn't believe for themselves. They didn't believe them. In other words, they had to believe by seeing They at first didn't believe that he was alive. In fact, they made fun of him. There will be people who will make fun of us if we say that we really believe this story. And so what we will do is we might change course and try to make the story a little bit easier to understand. Or we'll change the story as the story's been told. Or in fact, we might not even tell the story at all. Someone asked me uh, the other day or yesterday, they said, "How was your week?" and 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 I went through and told them every bad thing that happened to me that week. I told them how I we had a main break in New Braunfels and I had to uh, fix the line and 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 I was in a digging a ditch and in a, in a in a pit of mud and 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 then we had to lift a cabinet that was two hundred and fifty pounds and I was by myself and walking it uphill both ways. No, I don't know, but anyway. I was looking for empathy. I told my story, and if you want to hear it, I'll tell you later, and I'll change a few of the details, and it'll be great. Um, but you know what? I didn't do one time this week, at least until now. I didn't tell the Jesus story to anybody other than to the the five year old kids, and that was my job, so I had to do that. The preschool director said, "Do it," and you know when Arlene says, "Do it," I did it. You know, I'm scared. <laughs> I did it, but I didn't tell the story outside of the church context to anybody, to anybody. But I told him my story. Oh, my shoulder's hurting, you know, woe is me. We tell every story in the book, but we don't tell the story. I don't know if you're guilty of it. I am. But this is the greatest story. But I'm afraid it's become the greatest story never told. It's it's a story that, that we need to be quick to tell other disciples. It can't be an Easter Sunday story. In fact, Easter Sunday was not on April the 9th. Our Easter's are not on the same calendar date every year. It changes. We don't even know the exact date, but we know that the events took place because of all the eyewitness accounts because of those who believed and those who doubted it is the great story that needs to be told and it needs to be broken down for people to understand we need to be quick about it we need to tell disciples those who believe in Jesus this story it's important to encourage other believers with this story that's why a few hours before us and after us, depending on the time zone, this story will be told around the world, and there will be a reminder of the events of that day. There will be a reminder of the angels' visitation of the Marys. There will be a reminder of how they took the story to the disciples. There will be a reminder of how some people will doubt. In fact, there are probably some in this room who doubt the authenticity of this story, Paul writes a little later on, and if you want to know who Paul is, Paul was part of the same group of people a little little later, but he was still part of that same group of people who persecuted Christians. He didn't believe in Jesus. He didn't believe Jesus was the promised Messiah of the Old Testament. And so he believed that Christians were heretics. But later through his encounter, he becomes a devout believer in Christ. And he writes to a, a little church in Corinth in first century Rome. And he says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins in accordance to the Scriptures. That He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. Then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, as one untimely born, I like how that's phrased, he appeared also to me. Paul writes to the church and he's telling this story to the second generation or second hand. And what I mean by that is he didn't experience the same thing that the disciples experienced on Resurrection Sunday. Church, we might not be able to relate with the Marys who went to the tomb or the disciples who got to see him in person, but just maybe we can relate to the church at Corinth who got this word from Paul. Paul tells the story. He says, this is the story that continues to save. I believe that the story will go out today around the world and people will put their faith in Jesus. People who maybe believed it was a lie at first will now believe in the truth of the gospel. I believe in the power of this message and this story for salvation. And Paul says, not only is this story continuing to lead people to Jesus and to salvation, he goes on to to list some things that you and I should know about the story so that the story has consistency, so that the story, when it's told, is told right. Right? And he says this, For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received. I'm delivering to you the way the story was delivered to me. That Christ died for our sins. Did you know that Jesus died for your sins? Did you know that we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God? In other words, there's nothing you can do. You can't be good enough to make it to heaven on your own. And I can't either. There's nothing you can do to earn your way to heaven. And that's what's different about Christianity and all the religions of the world. You cannot work your way there. The scripture says, but someone had to die for your sins. The scripture also says that he was buried. It's important to understand that his death, he was buried And then Paul goes on to say, and he was raised again on the third day in accordance with Scripture. Now, what it's saying there is this was all foretold, and it happened just as it was supposed to happen. And then he says, and not only did he rise again, he started appearing to different people. And so Paul says that not only did he appear to the disciples, which kind of makes sense that he would appear to the disciples. They were the ones closest to him. But it says he, was also, he also appeared at one time to 500 people. And Paul says this, and some of them are still alive. In other words, some of them, I know their names. Some of them are still around, though some, he even says, have died. Paul retells the story to the church at Corinth, and he says, let me tell you what I know of this story. He says, Jesus, and the message of Jesus continues to save People from their sins. He was crucified, he was buried, he came back to life, and he was seen by multiple, multiple witnesses. And then that last point, and he says, Last of all, he appeared to me. I want to ask you to to bow your heads for a moment. We're gonna, we're gonna take communion but I don't want you to come forward and take communion because it's some religious ceremony. Because taking communion doesn't save you and won't save you. What you're doing is you're saying, I believe in the events of the crucifixion and the resurrection and the coming again of Christ. I believe that My sins needed to be forgiven and covered and only one could cover them and that was Jesus. But I want to ask that question before you come up. Has he appeared to you? And I'm not talking about the dazzling white angel. I'm asking, has he spoken to you through that still, small voice? and said, sinner, come home? Child, come home? Have you heard his voice? Do you believe in him? Are you willing to follow him? Are you willing to tell this story to the rest of the world? For more information about this podcast and other ministries, Visit CrossroadsTX.Church